Hey friends, Pastor Marco here. First of all, thank you for listening to the weekly podcast. I want to um, encourage you to do something. If you listen to us from a different state or a different country and you love the church and you want to be more connected to it, we are now opening it up for people to host new life communities from where they are. And if you're interested in being one of those people that can uh, host a watch party of our services where you can invite your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers, your neighbors or whatnot to come and be a part of it, uh, email us at info at newlifesouthcoast.com because we want to be able to have pockets of new life communities all over the nation and all over the world. So if you're interested, get back to us. Uh, we would love to connect with you. Also, if you're closer and you can be in the physical building, our services now are at 9.15 and 11 a.m. at our New Bedford location and 11 a.m. at our Forever location. The best way to stay connected is by downloading our church app. Go to the browser um, and just type in New Life South Coast and our app will pop up on Apple or whatever else that you use for you to stay connected. I pray that today's message, as usual, will encourage you, challenge you, and, and bless your walk with the Lord. My friends, we are going to conclude the series that we've been on the last few weeks, titled After the Honeymoon, Building a Solid Life. How many of you guys have been blessed by this series so far? I want to conclude this series with you by talking about the power of a covenant. I believe that if we're going to go to distance with our relationship with Jesus and with our spouses and with our children and with our church family, we need to understand the power of a covenant. It's impossible to read the Bible without coming across the word covenant. It's all over scriptures for a reason, for a purpose. And today, I want, to, I want to take us on a journey through scriptures to show us the power of a covenant and how it applies to us today. Can you say amen? And so I want to begin by reading just one scripture to you. And, and I, I've always say this, it's impossible to cover everything in one shot. So I hope you can go home and read this entire Psalms, Psalms 25. It's a powerful psalm about the power of a covenant. But I'm just reading one scripture out of Psalms 25, verse 10. And this is King David who wrote the psalm. He said, the Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. The Lord leads with unconditional love is another word for unfailing love. And the Lord leads with faithfulness all who keep his can you say, like, we're not in a Catholic church? <laughs> All who keep his covenant and obey his demands. Can you say amen? amen. So I want to jump right into this talk today by starting by giving you the definition of a covenant. Because you cannot read the Bible without seeing this word there. And so let's start right there. The covenant means a contract or an agreement. God establishes contracts and agreements between him and his people. And we see this throughout scriptures. And we're going to see why we're taking communion today. Because this is an agreement between us and God. And so you have, the Bible is divided into the Old Testament, which is another word for the old covenant or the old agreement and the old contract. And then you have the New Testament, which is the new covenant, the new agreement, or the new contract. 
Any, everything before Jesus is called the old covenant, the old agreement. And everything after Jesus is called the new covenant, the new agreement. Are you with me so far? We're, we're going to go to a Bible school here for a second, but it's going to be worth it. Stick with me. Okay. So the covenant is an agreement between God and his people. And it was established right from the beginning. Right in Genesis, God says, hey, I'm going to make an agreement with humans for us to be able to go to distance together. Right in Genesis chapter 2, we see the first covenant that God established. And we call this the rule covenant. In other words, God says, man, I'm going to give you authority. Like we just sang. He says, I want you to rule the earth. Right? And he says this in Genesis 2, 15. The Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. In other words, for this covenant is the Edenic Covenant, meaning in the Garden of Eden, God said, hey, I'm giving you all of this. By the way, this is not your Portuguese mother's garden. This was a country, okay, that God gave them and said, listen, this is yours. What I want you to do is to take good care of it. It's to be fruitful. It's to multiply. It's to tend the earth. Unfortunately, we know that they broke the agreement. They broke the covenant because God said, hey, there's only one thing I don't want you to do. Okay, there's only that one tree that I don't want you to touch. The tree was a test to see, will you pass the agreement? That tree still exists, my friends, in your mind every day. Did you know that? That tree never left us. Every choice, every decision that you make, you're either saying, God, I'm obeying your agreement or I'm going to break the agreement that we have together. Are you tracking so far? Obviously, this was broken because they didn't keep the agreement. And so God in his grace and mercy says, well, then I need to bring another covenant. I need to bring the covenant that we call the covenant of redemption. I need to redeem humanity. I don't want humanity to stay in their sin. I don't want humanity to lose my grace and my will. So God says, we're going to redeem humanity. And he gives the first, this is very deep. I hope you track with me. This is the first prophetic revelation of what Jesus would come to do on earth. This was written a thousand years before Jesus even came to earth, which tells you God always had a plan from the beginning. This was not an accident. This was not a mistake that Jesus would come to the cross. This was actually a prophetic revelation of what God wanted to do all the way back to Genesis. God says this, and he's talking here with the enemy, because remember, the enemy came in the form of a serpent and, and lied to them and tricked them into breaking the covenant. And God says, here's what's going to happen now. Listen, he says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. This is a powerful picture of the cross. What, what God was saying is, hey, the enemy, you look like you're about to win this thing because you're going to bruise him. But guess what? By bruising him, he's actually going to destroy you because through his death, he's going to bring resurrection. Through his lying, he's going to bring life and life more abundant. So you thought you won, but you didn't. And that's important because throughout life, you might think like the enemy is winning, but the truth is, no, he's a defeated foe already. My friends, the Bible says he's already been overcome. This is a prophetic picture that, yeah, you're going to hurt him on the cross, but guess what? Through that hurt, it's actually, you're actually setting him up to bring freedom and grace and healing and forgiveness for the entire world. So God had in mind already to redeem humanity. Actually, if you pay attention, before he, take, he kicks him out of Eden... Which, by the way, most scholars believe that Eden was where modern-day Iran and Iraq is. And it was destroyed with the flood. Right? But the, before God kicked them out, God says, I'm going to clothe you with 
animal skin. So this is a picture of God saying, I'm the one that will offer the sacrifice for you because you have fig leaves on, but fig leaves is just a picture of you trying to mask life without me. Hello, somebody. There's a lot of people walking around with fig leaves on. Uh, I hope you catch that one. So just, you know, because when God says, where are you? You think God doesn't know where they are? <laughs> no, that is God saying, hey, you want to take ownership of what just happened? Or do you want to hide? Oh, that's a word right there. Listen, in life, you either take ownership or you keep making excuses. But you can't make excuses in progress at the same time. Y'all ain't ready for this today. So God says, I have a plan to redeem humanity. But as you guys know, humanity is fickle. Right? Unfortunately, God says, man, I want everything for you, but you keep finding ways to get away from me. And so fast forward to a man named Noah. The Bible says that at this time of Noah, God was fed up with humanity because he's like, he's like, my heart is broken, man. I keep trying to bring them to me and they keep getting away from me. They keep doing their own thing. So God's like, man, I'm going to take a family. I'm going to flood the earth. We're going to start over. And he takes this family of a man named Noah and he's like, you guys are going to go through this flood process, but after the flood recedes, we're going to start brand new. It's a new covenant. It's a new agreement between me and humanity. And he says this to Noah in Genesis 9. God says, I'm giving you a sign of my covenant with you, with all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds. And, it will rem you, and you will remember my covenant with you and with all the living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. And we call this the restraint covenant. The reason why we call this the restraint covenant is God is showing here, my mercy, my love is way more powerful than my wrath. I'd rather love you than to destroy you. And so this is called the restraint covenant. Every time you see a rainbow in, 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 in the air somewhere, it's a reminder. God saying, hey, remember knuckleheads, I love you. I'm for you. I have a plan for your life. Remember a few years ago, double rainbow, what does it mean? You remember that video? No one saw that video? It means that God loves you and he's for you. He doesn't want to destroy you. He wants to bless you. That's why most people miss the point. God is not angry at humanity. God wants to restrain his anger to show love, to show mercy, to show compassion, to show healing. My friends, God loves you and he's for you. But as you know, we're fickle people. This only lasts for a few and people started drifting away. You know, the thing with the Bible is, I don't know if you understand this, but the Bible is so long because we're such knuckleheads. The Bible was supposed to be a brochure. Genesis, Jesus, Revelation. <laughs> but because we're knuckleheads, God has to keep extending his brace, extending his will, extending his brace. He's like, man, uh, we got to... We got to bring them back to the main street again. You know, the Bible is like in New Bedford. If you lose one street, it's going to take you about 10 minutes to get back to the main street because there's so many one ways. <laughs> Guys like, ah, oh, reroute. We got to reroute. And I don't know if you understand this. In you right now, there's a GPS that says, get to God, get to God, get to God, get to God, get to God. Every Sunday, all over the world, God's like, get to me, get to me, get to me, rerouting this way. Yeah, that's why that relationship didn't work. I'm trying to get you to me, knucklehead. That's why that business didn't work. I'm trying to get you to me, knucklehead. That's why that thing, I'm trying to get, uh, pay attention. There's a GPS in you saying, God, this way. 
rerouting. I don't know what your, you know, theory is. I have an English dude. Because it doesn't matter how bad he gets, that accent just brings me right back. English people can't say anything wrong. They can tell you, you're going to hell, and it sounds good. It sounds amazing. It's just, it's just they bless with that accent. It's just a side note. So here we are again. God's like, man, now I got to reestablish once again, my love for people. And we get to Genesis chapter 12. This time God's like, okay, I'm going to pick a family and a man named Abraham. And through him, I'm going to reroute everything back to my heart for people. And so this time he comes to Genesis 12 and we call this the restore covenant. God wants to restore people back to him, right? So he says, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. Now this is powerful. Sometimes you will not be able to fulfill the will of God for you if you stay where you are. Now that's a word. Everything that God has for you is on the other side of your comfort zone. So he says, I have to take you out of a familiar place to show you exactly what I want to do with you. My friends, some people, you don't need to, 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 to move physically. You just need to move mentally. You just need to shift the way you're thinking about life. Sometimes I tell people, listen, just, just leave that porch that you hang out every day in. You know the porch where people just talk about the good old days, no one's talking about what's to come. You know the porch where everybody just complains and whines and bickers. Some point, you got to listen to that GPS that says, man, get out the porch, man. You, you got plans. You got purpose. God has a purpose for your life. So he says, man, get out, get out of there. Here's what I'm going to do with you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. So he starts again with a family. Father Abraham. If you grew up in church, you heard the song. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons that Father Abraham. I'm one of you, and so are you. So let's praise the Lord. Right hand, left hand, right foot, right foot. Turn around. Y'all didn't grow up in church. I used to think as a kid, I'm like, that's torture. They used to put all the kids up there on stage to sing to adults. Kids hate it. That's why in this church, we're like, we're not going to torture kids that way. We're not, we barely put kids up here. You know, you ever seen the kids try to sing a song in church? They look like they hate God. Father Abraham, name's son. It's like, why are you making me do this? It's torture. And some of you guys know I'm talking about you need therapy from growing up in some churches. We're not doing that to our kids here. Key, three key things here, my friends, to, 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 to think about. We're going somewhere here. This covenant reveals three things. One, it reveals that, hey, I'm going to give you a land. This is where Israel comes from, right? This is where God's people come from. I'm going to give you a people, right? A land that's yours, a people that says, this is my people, and I'm going to make you a blessing to others, okay? This is where we see the plans of God unfolding to bring Jesus to earth is through the people of Israel that Jesus would come from the lineage of Abraham to bring salvation to the entire world. Are you tracking so far? So Genesis 12 is called the restore. And I think by now you can kind of sense a pattern here. Things go well for a little bit. And then once again, people show how fickle we are and we begin to drift away from the will of God. Now this time, the people of God drifted so far that they find themselves slaves in Egypt. 
And now they cry out to God and God says, I heard the cry of my people, I need to set them free. Understand this, this is very important. Nowadays, you don't have a country, Egypt, that's enslaving you, but Egypt is a picture of sin. When you live without God, you're living in Egypt. You're living away from the will of God, away from the purpose of God. So God has to send a liberator to set you free from sin, but a liberator that's not setting you free from a physical place, it's setting you free from a spiritual place. So Moses is a picture of what Jesus would come to do on earth. When Moses splits the Red Sea, that's a picture of baptism. When you get baptized, you're going through the waters, you're leaving the past behind, you're coming to a new future, a new you in Jesus Christ. And so here in Reveal, is where we get the Ten Commandments. God takes them out of Egypt and says, now let's establish how we're gonna live. See, the Ten Commandments for them was brand new. They never had it before. They were slaves. They didn't know how to be. They were being beaten down. They didn't have an identity. They didn't have a purpose. God's like, I'm giving you these commandments. Another word for commandments is principles to show you, hey, who is who I am and here's who you are. The first four commandments, I didn't put them up because they're all long, but the first four commandments, it's about here's how you can have a relationship with me as your God, as your Father. And the sixth commandment that comes after that is how you relate to each other. This is where we get the concept of love God and love people. It's out of the commandments. Because if you love God, how do you know you love God? Well, how you treat people. And if you love people, clearly you're not going to steal from them. If you love people, well, hopefully you're not going to kill them. If you love people, you're not going to cover their stuff. Why? Because you love God and you love people. And God was saying, now, listen, you're not slaves anymore. You are my people. And as my people, you love me, you love each other, and you live according to my will. That's what the Ten Commandments is about. And as you know, things go well for a little bit, and then kind of know the pattern by now, right? People have a tendency to forget. You know the most used word in the Old Testament is the word remember? You know why? Because we forget. We forget how good God is. We forget how great he is. And we have a tendency to think, okay, I'm good. Now I can kind of do my own thing. And we begin to drift again. And so this is the story of Israel. But also, to be honest with you, I think it's our story. Right? I think, I think how many of us have to be reminded of how good God is? Why do we start every Sunday with worship? It's to remind ourselves... He's God, and I'm not. So then they get the land, but they take it for granted. And God says, you know, we got to establish this again. And, and he brings another covenant to them called the return covenant. God's like, man, just return to me. My heart is for you. I just want us to live well together. I want to bless you. The whole Deuteronomy 29 goes all the way to 30. And, and here God says, hey, okay, let me make it more clear. <laughs> God says, this time I'm going to tell you, there's life and death. Choose life. Like, choose life. Like, I want to bless you, but you got to make the choice. Right? So here he says, therefore, obey the terms of this covenant so that you will prosper in everything you do. Who doesn't want to prosper in everything they do? The word prosperity is not just Money, the word prosperity is peace of mind, well-being, you know, grace. You're like enjoying life. That's what God's like, man, I want you to enjoy this life I'm giving you, knuckleheads. Just choose life. And I said this before. It's like this covenant is like a quiz that you're taking and teacher says, hey, choose life or death. And, and, and the teacher goes, choose life. And you're like, ah. Uh, choose life. Like God gives you a quiz, gives you the answer, and he's still like, it's right, I'm telling you, choose life. 
Isn't that amazing how humanity is? Sometimes we're like, life is right hitting us in the face. We're going, uh, I got to pray about this. No, knucklehead, do it. Choose life, the Bible says. And so once again, things go well for a little bit. I think you kind of get the gist. People are fickle. We drift. We wander away from his will and his purpose. But God, he's too good. He's too faithful to give up on us. And so once again, fast forward to the, to the days of kings. God says, man, I'm going to establish a group of people who will be the kings and queens on this earth. And I'm going to start with one man again. And I'm going to show you my goodness and my faithfulness. And if you continue to keep the covenant, the agreement, you're going to see this thing all the way to the greatest king of all kings, which is Jesus Christ. God says, man, listen, I want you to catch this, friends. The heart of God through our scriptures is that, man, you're not slaves. You're not peasants. You are kings and queens. There's royalty in your blood. There's royalty that runs through you when you are a child of God. So we call this the reign covenant. God's like, I want my people to reign. I want my people to walk with confidence of who they are. And so he says this to David. He says, your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time. And your throne will be secured forever. In other words, forever is eternity. So he starts with David. And he begins to establish the kings and priests on earth. Did you know that you're a king and a priest? I think our next message is going to be about how everybody's a priest. Not the guy up here. But the guy with the little thing. You know. Which I envy because... You never know what they're wearing underneath of that thing. <laughs> I wish I wore a robe so I don't have to worry about what am I going to wear this Sunday. <laughs> That's a side note. <laughs> uh, rabbit trails. Um, here is about a throne. It's about a house. It's about a kingdom. You have to understand this. When Jesus came to earth, what did he say? He said, I came to establish God's kingdom on earth. God's kingdom is not about a castle somewhere where there's a king. Okay, Catch this. God's kingdom is that you know in your heart you have a king that you respond to. You have a king that you have an allegiance to. So the kingdom of God is in your heart. The Bible even says it's closer than you think. It's in your mouth. It's in your declarations. It's in your positive affirmations. You are saying, I am in who God says I am. I'm a king. I'm a priest. I declare things. Things come to pass. That's what kings do. Kings decree. Kings declare. Kings bless. Kings speak. And things happen. That's who you are. So when we sing, I am who I say I am, I'm saying I'm a king and a priest. I'll talk about a priesthood next Sunday. But this is what he's saying. There will be a king coming to establish his kingdom on the heart of people. That's why a lot of people don't understand. It's like, hey, where's your kingdom? Like, you can't, your kingdom is in my heart. It's in your heart. That's why right now there are churches meeting all over the world. Kings and priests all over the world worshiping the true king of kings and the Lord of lords, which is Jesus Christ. But you know what? What happens after a little while, this kingdom gets divided into two kingdoms because once again, humans are fickle. We're knuckleheads. We want to do our own thing. And this is why today I felt the burden to pray for churches. My friends, the world can be divided, but we don't have to be divided. We can be united. We can stay focused. We can stay grounded. We can stay rooted on God's will. Because the enemy's greatest weapon is to try to divide us. Jesus even said, you know, you cannot stand in a divided home. 
right? Because something's got to give. And so here it's about us taking our rightful place as kings, but also bring unity to where we are. Can you say amen? And so, my friends, we fast forward once again. You know what happens. Humans are fickle. <laughs> we do our thing. And then God says, well, we got to go deeper. And this time, he brings a word that we never heard before. It's brand new through a prophet named Jeremiah. About 500 years before Christ even comes to earth, God says, this is where I wanted to go all along with everybody. And he gets to Jeremiah and says, I want to regenerate, which is another word for rebirth, reborn, being born again. It's like, man, laws and rules are not going to do it. We need something deeper, right? And so here's what he says to the prophet Jeremiah. He says, but this is the new covenant. This is brand new. Never been said before. Never heard before. This is a brand new agreement. He says, I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them. And I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord. Why is this so important? This is so important because up to this point, they always relied on other people to speak to them for God. They rely on the prophets. They rely on the teachers. God is saying, no, no, that's not enough. I don't need you to tell, to tell someone to talk to me. I need you to have direct access to me. You can talk to me. You can have intimacy with me. You can have relationship with me. You can have union with me. My friends, till this day, that's the difference between religion and relationship. Religion says, hey, go tell Mary to tell Jesus about me. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. I came through Mary so you can have access to me, so you can talk to me directly. Directly to me. Hey, hey, pastor, can you pray for me? Yeah, I could pray for you, but you can also lay hands on yourself and pray for yourself because now you have the authority that Jesus has given you to take captive everything that the enemy has come against you. You are now a child of God and you have access right to God. That's the point. Oh, I don't mind praying for you, but there's something powerful about you. Open up your mouth in your house and say, God, us for me and my house, we will serve you. Us for me and my house, we will worship you. My God says, no, listen, listen, in a sense, if you keep reading Jeremiah, God literally says this. He says, man, the law was for babies. Grace is for adults. <laughs> you have to understand this. This is powerful. What he's saying is that, listen. Kids need a lot of rules and regulations because they don't know any better. Parents, how many times in a day you use the word, no! Because they are developing, so they need rules, they need regulations, they need a lot of structure. And unfortunately, they're saying the mature level of kids is getting lower and lower. I read something that depressed me the other day. Psychologists are saying the new age of adulthood is 27. And I'm like, I got five knuckleheads. By the time they, got, they get to 27, I'm going to be 85 years old. I need you out of my house. I want to go back to our grandparents' days when they were 12 years old, getting out of the house, getting a job, getting married. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so what God was saying is, man, you, I don't want you to, to just live by rules and regulations, do's and don'ts. Because when I'm in you, then the GPS is leading you towards me. 
and you don't need someone to tell you about me. Matter of fact, when people talk about me, they're just confirming what I'm already telling you personally because we have a relationship. All right, so this, my friends, he goes on to say this. Look, Jeremiah goes on to say, look, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord, and I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Come on, somebody. We ought to thank God for his goodness. So Jeremiah prophesies this 500 years before Christ comes. And then Christ comes and says, hey, I'm here to fulfill all these prophecies of old. I am the new covenant. I am the one that can forgive your wickedness and never again remember your sins. My friends, I, have, I pray we understand this today. When we take communion, you are saying, I am one with the Father because of what Jesus has done for me. Why are we ending this way, this series on building a solid life? Because I do believe this. When you understand the new covenant, the new agreement, who was bought by the life of Jesus, then you know that God is not mad at you and God is not trying to figure out if he likes you. God already established, I am for you unconditionally. I love you. I, I want to bless your life. That's a done deal. You don't have to question God's love. Every time you see a cross, you're reminded this covenant is unconditional. God is faithful. I don't know how you came in here today, but I know sometimes you come to church, there's a voice who says, why are you trying to worship? I know what you did last week, and I know what you did this week. That's the time you need to remember that God does not come to condemn you. God comes to convict you. And anytime there is a little voice in there, Who's trying to condemn you? That's the same voice who was there in the garden telling them, listen, maybe God is not really good. Maybe God is not for you. My friends, those are the moments to declare out loud, yes, I know what I did. I'm not proud of it, but I know what Jesus has done for me. I'm going to stand on the new covenant. I am loved. I am forgiven. I am justified. I am accepted. God loves me. God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? I'm going to give God a praise. I'm going to give God the worship that he deserves. My God, do I have anybody who believes the new covenant is for you and God is for you? My God. So my friends, oh, my friends, God has set us up already to go the distance. This is what I'm trying to get to. He's saying my covenant is forever. The Bible goes on to say, Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Come, he says, come tribulations, come temptations, come trials. Whatever comes your way, it's already established. God is not thinking about his covenant. God has already established his covenant that is eternal. You are secured for all eternity in Jesus. That's the beauty of this thing. We don't earn it, my friends. We don't deserve it. We accept it. We embrace it. That's what grace is. If you could earn it, then it's not unconditional. If you could deserve it, then it's works. God's scoreboard is different than our scoreboard. We have conditions. We have reservations. God's like, no, mine is unconditional. And it's forever. Do you want it? That's the only thing. God's like, do you want it? 
Because I already, I already established it. You just have to accept it. So how does this have to do with how you live after the honeymoon? Well, think about it. If I am a person of a new covenant, if I don't believe that I am saved by the grace of God, I don't earn it, I don't deserve it, guess what? Then my marriage comes under that agreement too. Then we give each other grace. We give each other forgiveness. We give each other patience. We help each other. We bless each other. We speak life into each other because we know, hey, none of us deserve this. None of us can earn it. But together, we can build a powerful house by the grace of God, by the grace of God, by the grace of God. And then when your little knuckleheads are driving you nuts, you remember, man, I'm also a knucklehead, so I need to give you grace. I need to give you patience. I need to be good with you. I need to bless you. And when you go to church and, and, and people are driving you nuts at church, and then you remember also, I am also part of the problem. I can either be part of the solution or I can be part of the problem. I can just say what's wrong with the church or I can speak life over the church. I can speak life over people. I can speak life over my community. I refuse to be a curse. I, I want to be a blessing. I, I, I want to choose life. I want life to be out of my mouth. I don't want the people who complain and whine and bicker. I want to prophesy. I want to speak life. I want to speak healing. I want to speak blessing. You go ahead and curse me, but I encourage you. You go ahead and shun me. I ain't shunning you. My God, I refuse to buy into the lies of the enemy. That is the power of the new covenant. It was never meant to be a ritual. That's why we don't do this every week. We don't want it to become a ritual. We want it to become a reminder of who we are and why we worship Jesus. So when we get here, my friends, we are in a new agreement that was purchased by Jesus, his perfect life. That no one could have kept the covenant perfectly other than the Son of God himself. And he comes to say, hey, everything you guys have read over the years was pointing to me. And he has this moment with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And this is where we're going to take communion. Go ahead and grab your cups as we're going to Remember what Jesus has done for us. In Matthew 26, he has a meal. My friends, catch this. This is so powerful. He has a meal with his students. Why a meal? Because a meal is the ultimate sign of friendship and communion that you can have with somebody. Unfortunately, 2,000 years later, we have a little cup. <laughs> but in Jesus' day, it was actually a dinner where they would eat and they would celebrate the goodness of God. After Jesus went back to heaven, the, the community of believers would gather to remember. Because Jesus said, hey, this is how you remember who you are. When you have a meal together and you break bread together. And then what they would used to do is, this is why I think we, we need crews. I hope you join a crew. Because in a crew, is what they used to do. They would go around and say, hey, how have you been reminded of Jesus lately? And they would begin to tell testimonies. This is what Jesus is doing in me. This is what Jesus is doing in my family. As they're doing that, guess what they're doing? They're bringing Jesus right in a mix. Keeping alive the covenant, the agreement of unconditional love. And that's how they were able to continue to win people for Jesus because people would come around and say, man, these people love each other, man. They, they really love each other and they really care. And that's what we want with that cruise. We want everybody to, to have that communion, to have that companionship, to have that Jesus in the middle. Because, my friends, the way we know that we have really received 
the covenant of Jesus is how you treat others. It's how you treat others. You are now, I pray you catch this, you are now the broken communion. When you break your lives for others, when you are there for others, when you help others, when you witness to others, when you empower others, when you pray for others, you are doing is you're saying, Jesus, I'm keeping this covenant alive. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.